0: You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. I am Pastor David. It's my privilege uh, to bring a message from God's Word to you this morning. But before I begin, I, I want to point your attention to the bulletin that you have in your hand. There are two events, two additional events that are happening this week. One is actually today. Uh, If you are a 20-something, a young professional, uh, and the 20-somethings are getting together at at Stratford Woods Park to play volleyball, and is Patrick McGilgan here? If you are here, please stand up. Usually they gather around this side, so walk over to that side and you will see uh, many 20-somethings. So, Enjoy the volleyball this afternoon. And the second one is the International Friends. They are having a welcome picnic for all the new international students that have come into Northwood University. And they are looking for some volunteers to come in and help them. And please see uh, Mike and Deb Entner if you are interested in that ministry as well. So those are the two things that are happening uh, this week, in addition to the ones that Kim mentioned already. Now I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And if you are using the church Bible, which is blue in color, and you will find that on page 650. Psalm
1: 119, page 650. Now, are you ready to look at
0: the longest Psalm, it has 176 verses. As a fun exercise, this past week, four staff members, myself included, took turns to read the Psalm aloud. Just reading alone took 20 minutes. So I, one thing I could do is to just read the Psalm and close the sermon. You know, I also did some research and found out that one pastor actually preached 33 sermons on this psalm. 33. So, look at the screen. This is what happened to me as I tried to figure out how to preach one sermon on this psalm. I hope that doesn't happen to you this morning. Now I also know why Pastor Jeremy gave this assignment to me and got out of town. And I heard somebody spotted him and his family are at a, on a beach. And I also heard that he's laughing and smiling. So that's the task that we have before us this morning. Now, stripped down to its bare bones, this psalm is about God's word and the blessings that come to those who diligently keep it. Let me say that again. This psalm is about God's word and the blessings that come to those who diligently keep it. I see that in the first six verses of this psalm. So please turn to your attention, beginning in verse 1. It starts like this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. Blessings come to those who diligently keep God's word. That's what the author of this psalm says. But the question that we could ask is, should we believe him? And why? We don't know him. The author of the psalm is not even named. If it's King David, perhaps we would listen to him. But here the author of the psalm is not even... Named and therefore, why should we believe him when he says that blessings come to those who diligently keep God's word? But having spent this entire week studying and poring over this particular psalm, judging from its content and beauty, I can confidently say. That this psalm was written by someone who lived and breathed God's word.
1: In other words, he knows his stuff. He's an expert in God's word. For example, let me ask you some questions. Would you be able
0: to write down 176 things about God's
1: word? The author of Psalm 119, dead. Even if we were able to write down
0: 176 things about God's Word, would he be able to organize your writings using the 26 letters of the English alphabet in order? Starting with A and then B, then C. Would he be able to do that? It would be challenging, wouldn't it? But the author of Psalm 119 did just that using the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Let's take another, go down another step. Let's suppose that you were able to do both of them. Write down 176 things about God's word and organize those using the 26 letters of the English alphabet in order. But would he be able to write eight things about God's word under each of the 26 letters of the English alphabet? In other words, he start with A, one statement, and there will be eight statements under A. There will be eight statements under B. There will be eight statements under C, and so on. Now, that moves into a realm of impossibility. But the author of Psalm 119 Did exactly that. Let me show that to you in the Hebrew language. And I'm going to point my laser laser to this screen. The screen that is to my right and to your left. And here it is. You see that one? That's their A. L-A in the Hebrew language. There it is. 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 He starts with aleph, as it's called. a And there are eight statements. Don't worry about those those spots here. There are dash and dots and things like that. Those are what they call the vowel points. Hebrew language doesn't have a vowel, so people sometimes don't know how to pronounce it. So in order to help in the pronunciation, those dots and dashes and things like that are put in. But you'll see the beauty of it. There are eight statements.
1: All start with A. Next slide. There it is. That's their B. Beth.
0: or Beth. Here it is. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And there are eight statements. And this goes on 22 times. Eight statements under each alphabet of the Hebrew language. And so eight times 22 is 176 verses. And there is some kind of beauty.
1: And not only that, it's not just beautiful, but the the content is rich. And such psalms are referred to as, by the way, the acrostic psalms. Such
0: psalms are meant to be memorized. Memorized. In fact, Jewish parents had their children memorize psalms such, such as 119 in obedience to God's instructions in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, which says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This was one of those psalms that the Jewish kids memorized. It's an acrostic psalm, easier to memorize, because you have to remember A, and state the eight, eight statements, B, and so on. Now let me ask you a question. Is there anyone here in our congregation who has Psalm 119
1: memorized? No one. Well, I know of one person,
0: a relative of ours, 87 years old, a grandma, and she lives in Toronto, Canada, and here is a picture. She has memorized all 176 verses of Psalm 119. So one of our challenges is, you know, we'll talk about this a little more as the sermon unfolds. You know, do we really want to be blessed by God's Word? Do you want blessing
1: to come your way and my way? We
0: come to memorizing God's Word. So all of this is to say that the author of Psalm 119 is an expert on the subject of God's Word. He lived and breathed it. In fact, he says that in Psalm 119 itself. And here are some verses. Verse 20. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Verse 148. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Verse 72 The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of
1: gold and silver pieces. That's why we need to listen to him. Just like we would
0: listen to experts in other areas of our lives. Just for fun, I, I thought I would show you a few. Experts take it as fun. I think it's meant by this. For example,
1: if you would like to keep your body in shape, who would you listen to? An expert trainer or an out of shape sumo wrestler? Right now, if you want to have a root canal done. Would you go to a dentist or a construction worker who also knows how to drill? Who would you trust if you are in need of surgery? An expert,
0: skilled surgeon like Dr. David Bortle or a butcher
1: who also cuts through flesh and bones? Who would you seek advice from regarding interior decoration? An expert interior decorator or
0: someone with compulsive hoarding disorder who cannot
1: even keep her own home clean? Who would you hire to do plumbing repairs in your home?
0: An expert plumber or a pastor like me? Both of them start with P. I know how to use a plier, but Jem wouldn't let me near any of our home repairs. It's been twenty seven years. Now who would he approach if you need advice on judicial matters? Judge Carpenter or Judge Judy. <laughs> By the way, all of my experts are on the left hand side of the of the photo, so just want to make sure. My friend Mike Carpenter knows that. So we need to listen to this guy, just as we would listen to any experts, because he has lived it, he has breathed it. By the way, as I read, I'm going to read several verses. I want to let the words you know, verses speak for themselves with very little explanation. But he uses actually four terms, four excuse me, eight different terms, to describe. God's word, and they are up on the screen. You will see them. He uses the term law, refers to God's word. Testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, rules, word, and promise. There are, he uses eight different terms to use the same thing. So when you are sitting down to read Psalm 119, as you read these terms, you should know that he refers to God's word. Please keep that in mind as I read Psalm 119, various portions of it, and present five blessings. Five is too many. Here's the confession that I want to make. I chose five. There could have been more. But I don't know. I don't even know if I have time to go through all five of them. So somewhere if I'm going past the time that's allotted for me, I'm going to stop it. This is one of the rare sermons, 176 verses. And I'm going to go as fast as I can. But when my time is up, we are stopping and I will quickly... Go through the rest of the, that's what remains. So, just wanted to give you that as a warning, okay? So, five blessings that come to those who diligently keep God's word. First one we get to know this great God and praise Him
1: and pray to Him. That's the first point. That's a blessing. For example, about
0: knowing God, verses 90 and 91. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day for all things are your servants. And verse 73a, your hands have made and fashioned me. From these two verses... The psalmist, as well as us, learned that God is the creator and sustainer. All of creation is under his rule, and he is faithful to sustain his creation and his creatures for many, many generations. He's a great God. Verse 64a, The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Verse 156, Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Verse 137, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. The psalmist learns, and from him we learn, that God, in these three verses, God is righteous, He is full of love, and He is full of mercy. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Verse 21, you rebuke the insolent, the cursed ones who wander from your commandments. From these two verses, we learn that God is good and he does good things. But at the same time,
1: he does not tolerate sin and evil and evil Now
0: such a knowledge, as as Job said, is, is too wonderful to me. And that leads to praise, which is what the psalmist does. For example, in verses 171 and 172, he says this, My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Verse 62, at midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. The more we know of this great God, the more we trust Him. And that leads us to pray, not just any kind of prayer, but priority-altering kingdom prayers. For example, if you look with me to verses 33 to 40, see what He prays. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away from the reproach that I dread. Fix your rules, for your rules are good. You see his prayer? Sure, we want to pray for somebody who's not well, somebody who's having a difficult time in life, a job, or whatever else. But wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to also pray kingdom prayers? Lord Jesus, come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the
1: kind of prayer that he's praying in the verses that I write to you. In fact, the pastoral
0: team pray for the prayer requests that you write and put in the offering plate. But for the past year or so, we have also gotten into that habit of reading the sermon text and praying through that. For example, this past week, we read, that's why we read Psalm 119, and then pause and pray. Another section, read, pause, and pray. Read another section, pause, and pray. Because all of a sudden, what happens is, we get to know this great God. And we could praise Him, we could pray to Him, we could pray using the scripture that we had just read. And that's what it's all about. That is a blessing to be able to pray through God's Word and to get to know this great God. So the first blessing that comes with diligently keeping God's Word is that we get to know this great God, praise Him for who He is, and pray to Him because we trust in His ability to answer our prayers. The second blessing that comes is this. We get to walk in purity,
1: not in sin, Here are the verses that speak about this. Verse
0: 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verses 5 and 6. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on your commandments. Verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things
1: and give me life in your ways. Do you want to walk in purity and not
0: In sin and shame. Then says the psalmist, Fix your eyes on God's Word. That is reading. Store it in your heart. That is memorizing. Guard your life and purity with it. That's applying it. That's why I said what I said earlier. That reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, and
1: applying it in our daily life, Bring blessing. Now, this past week is a very sad week
0: in the life of our denomination, the EFCA, the Evangelical Free Church of America. The number two guy, Tim Eddington, resigned having committed adultery. He's no rookie. He's been married to his wife, Mary Ann, for 34 years. Served as senior vice president and head of the REACH Global, the international missions arm of the EFCA, for 23 years. He has written three books, High Impact Church Boards, Leading from the Sandbox, and Live Like You Mean It. A year or two ago, he uh, he had this septic shock, and he was in coma, He was on ventilator.
1: His wife, Marianne, cared for him, brought him through that into good health. All that disappeared in a blink of a second. And it hurts. Because I know him personally. That's why do you want to walk in purity? Then guard it with God's Word. Read it.
0: Memorize it. Apply it in every situation. You know, in, regarding sexual sin, what's, what's the term that, that the Bible uses? Flee. Not stand there and watch. Not play with the
1: fire. But Flee. Run in the opposite direction. The psalmist says the same thing. So if you want to walk in purity, not in sin and shame, guard it with God's word. Now the third blessing that comes with that, that we will find hope and comfort in times of affliction and
0: sorrow. We find hope and comfort in times of affliction and sorrow. And here are the verses that speak about this. Verses 49 and 50. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Verse 52. When I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Lord. Verses 81b and 82a. I hope in your word, my eyes long for your promise. Again, remember, the word promise is about word of God. Verse 43, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. The writer of of Psalm 119 who lived and breathed God's word says that we will find hope and comfort in times of affliction and sorrow if we diligently keep God's word. And we start
1: this process not when we are in the middle of affliction and sorrow, but well before it. Pastor Gordon MacDonald, who was my pastor in my former church,
0: recounts a story as a senior in a Christian high school. He says this, among the required courses that year was a senior Bible course taught by the school's headmaster himself, Dr. Frank Gaberlein. As part of that course, Dr. Gaberlein required students to memorize, as a one year course, 300 verses of Scripture over the course of that one year. 300. If Dr. Gabeline met the student on the pathway from the classroom to the dining hall, he might say, Gordon, give me John 13, 34, please. He expected the student to recite the verse from memory without faltering.
1: How many of you have memorized 300 verses? That was 56 years ago.
0: McDonald had put away those index cards long ago, graduated from high school, graduated from college and seminary, pastored several churches, got married, raised children, now is a grandpa living in New Hampshire. Recently, his doctor called and said, Gordon, I have some difficult news for you. There's a tumor in the back of your head, in the lining of the brain. It is not malignant but it will have to come out. And McDonald's writes this. As a pastor, I have spent my whole life helping other people face doctor call moments like these. Now it is my turn. And the very first thing that began to surge through my mind was Psalm 46 that I had memorized as a teenager in Dr. Gableline's class. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into sea, I shall not fear. MacDonald continues, When, at, when I was a teenager, a brilliant and godly man pumped my friends and me full of scripture. But now his effort is paying off. Thanks to Dr. Gableline and Psalm 146. I may be concerned and cautious, but I'm not inclined to be fearful. Just to close the loop of the story, Pastor Gordon McDonald is in good health. In fact, he came to our church after his surgery, this particular surgery, and preached here last year. I think two times he came. So I just wanted you to know that he is in good health and all of it is taken care of. But that shows the blessing that comes to those who diligently keep God's word. They find hope and comfort in times of affliction and sorrow. They get to walk in purity, not in sin and shame. And they get to know this great God and to praise Him and to pray to Him. And the fourth blessing is we gain wisdom when we diligently keep God's Word. We gain wisdom. Here are the verses that speak about this. Verses 98 to 100. Your commandments makes me wiser than my enemies. For it is ever with me i have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation i understand more than the aged for i have kept or for i keep your precepts verse 42 i shall have an answer for him who taunts me for i trust in your word It's very interesting, you know, God's word, it says here, these verses say, Make us wiser than our enemies, wiser than our teachers, and even wiser than people who might be older than us with lots of
1: life experiences before them. Do you believe that? Kids, youth, and young adults, I hope this encourages you.
0: How wise you are does not solely depend on how much education you have had. Whether you are a teacher or a student, or how old you are, or how much life experiences you have had. Rather, one contributing factor, there are many factors that contribute. One contributing factor to wisdom is how diligently you have kept God's word in your life. As I say this, I am reminded of a story of a young Jewish girl in the Old Testament. In fact, I looked at the translation. It says actually, the original Greek too, it says little girl. One little girl. She was taken captive during a raid by the Syrians and was serving in the household of Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria. The Bible describes him as a mighty man of valor, who had won many wars for Syria. But he had one problem. That he was a leper in a society that shunned lepers. It was this young Jewish girl, this little girl, who told Naaman that her God, the God of Israel, is able to cure his leprosy. Where did she get that? As a young Jewish Jewish girl, as I had mentioned previously, she had learned that from her parents on how to diligently keep God's Word by memorizing it, meditating it, applying it in her own life. As a result, she knew her God and could confidently say to Nathan that my God, the God of Israel, can heal you. Furthermore, she was not bitter about her captivity. I mean, somebody who had been taken away from her parents at a young age, and in Syria, instead of being in Israel. You know why? Because she, had, she, had, she knew how to find hope and comfort through God's
1: Word in times of affliction and sorrow. If you ever want to watch
0: a person... How mature they are, how much they are in God's word. Watch them when they go through afflictions and sufferings and sorrow. The rest, as they say, is history. Naaman was cured of his leprosy when he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River as instructed by God's prophet, Elisha. Now I'm going to read something. See if this girl meets, met every one of those. Blessings come to and through those who diligently keep God's word. They know the greatness of their God and therefore praise Him and pray to Him. In God's word, they know how to find hope and comfort in times of affliction and sorrow. They walk in purity,
1: not in sin and shame. They are wise beyond their ears. That fits that God. But there's a fifth and final blessing that come to and through who diligently
0: keep God's word. They speak boldly and courageously of their God to others. They speak boldly and courageously of God to others. And here it is. Here are the two verses. Verse 13. With my lips I declare All the rules of your mouth. Verse 46. I will also speak of your testimonies. Before kings and shall not be put to shame. In the first verse. The Hebrew word that is translated declare. Captures the idea of declaring God's word. Even in the midst of hostility. Not just to friendly crowd. In the midst of hostility. The second verse referred to speaking God's word. Before pagan kings. Not friendly kings. Pagan kings. Therefore these verses are not about speaking God's word to a friendly audience, but rather they are about speaking God's word to a pagan world that is hostile. And that requires boldness and courage. Brothers and sisters, I can give you many examples from around the world where Christians are doing just that. Speaking boldly and courageously among those who persecute and even kill them. But this morning, though, I want to focus our attention on what's happening in our nation and the need for us to speak boldly and courageously. As you know, with recent victories in the Supreme Court, the homosexual agenda has become more aggressive than ever. Christians who stand against it are called by all kinds of nasty names, The goal is to silence them. Businesses that refuse to serve their agenda are sued in courts. Some businesses have been fined and some have gone bankrupt as a result. In this atmosphere, we as Christians need boldness and courage. We need wisdom on what to say, when to say and how to say it. No doubt you and I will be persecuted... And we need to find hope and comfort in God's word. We need to be prepared. We need to walk in purity ourselves or else we may fall into the same sin. And to do all that, we need to get to know this God who is great. We need to praise him. We need to pray to him, not just any prayer, but what I call priority altering kingdom prayers. Come Lord Jesus, come. Accomplish your purposes on this earth as you do it in heaven. Root out evil, pour out afresh your Holy Spirit and revive your people so that they could speak boldly and courageously. If you're not doing all of that already, would you commit to doing that yourself from this day forward? The day is coming. Christians need to speak of God, their God, boldly and courageously to others. Just recently, I have finished reading a book on preaching. The title of the book, you will see that on the screen, is the Sermon Sucking Black Hole. Black Hole. Why you cannot remember on Monday but your minister preached on Sunday. In it, The author, David R. Maines, tackles the question, why many congregants forget the message of the sermon
1: somewhere between the pulpit and the parking lot? That doesn't happen here at Midland Free, does it? I want to be
0: sure. So as I close the sermon, I'm going to do, obviously it depends on the preacher as well as the listeners and so on, but as as I close the sermon, I want to do what that author suggested preachers do make sure the following are very clear to the congregants. The first one: What is the subject of this sermon today? If somebody asks you, you should be you know just saying, "Oh, it was a sermon on Psalm 119." It's not good enough. But rather, you should be able to state that the sermon was about blessings of God' word, God's word. And the sermon this morning presented five such blessings. Number two, what was the response that was called for in the sermon? Did I call you for for some kind of a response? Can you state that? And I want to make that clear. I said this, diligently keep God's word. It's a response that I, 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 I call for. Because blessings come to those who diligently keep God's word. Then you might respond, How do I do that? Well, I also told you several times by reading, memorizing, meditating, and applying it in all of your situations. As things come up, ask, What does God's word have to say about this particular issue? And the fourth one is you might ask, Pastor David, how long would it take to do this? For a month? For a week? For a year? The psalmist who is an expert in God's word who lived and breathed it says it is a life long process of continually
1: keeping it
0: until you breathe your last.
1: Is that clear? If you forget everything else please remember this. Blessings
0: come to those who diligently
1: keep God's word. Let's pray.